Welcome friends to Able Transition Dreams Fulfilled. Dreams Fulfilled is a space to share honestly, celebrate joyfully, and connect to hope. I'm your host, Kenzie Clark, and I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. Dreams Fulfilled is a space where we share about how dignity and respect are given through knowledge, work, community, and in being seen as capable. This is a space where we celebrate work, education, family, and community, as well as how these things change our lives. I hope that Dreams Fulfilled can give people hope for a brighter future. In this space, inclusivity matters, people matter, and their dreams matter. Listen in for hope-filled stories, some obstacles, resources, and ultimately, how having hope, knowledge, and work can change lives for good. I truly hope that these conversations will lead to more dreams being fulfilled. Friends, today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Claudine Burns. Claudine is a mother, a wife, an advocate, the owner of a yoga studio, and an all-around incredible human being. Today, Claudine shares with us information about her son's journey to find housing. I know you will enjoy today's episode. So without further ado, here's our interview. Thank you so much, Claudine, for being here today. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So in looking at your life and your personal history and experience, what led you to becoming involved within the disability community? Uh, My son, Joseph, um, was diagnosed with autism when he was about 18 months old. And um, just up to last year, January of 2018, um, he entered a group home facility for the first time in his life. Um, So that's, you know, what got me to open my eyes to see what was out there, what was not out there, um, and try to, you know, see for the future of other people as well as Joseph, how to change things. Wow. Yeah. So he lived at home with you up until last year. Correct. Yes. Um, We always thought that he would live with us. We actually built a a house with an entire floor for him um, so that he had all the things that he needed and starting to watch his behavior shortly after we moved into the house and realizing that he wanted independence. Um, He, we had just written his story for the rest of his life and um, he was not happy. So we saw a lot of behaviors that we had not seen or escalated and we Mm -hmm. realized that it was uh, time to do something different for him. Absolutely. What do you feel like as you look at the community around us, what specific work do you feel like is going to be really important for Raleigh, North Carolina, in regards to individuals with disabilities becoming adults that you have seen affect your life and your son's life? Right. So I don't, and I know from my point of view, I did not expect that I would be looking for a place for Joseph to live in his future. Um, what I did realize once the search began is that um, they are very few and far between. Mm-hmm. And there are Um, We got lucky enough to get into an amazing facility, um, but there are not a lot around and Raleigh at all. Um, Some you'd have to really expand, you know, even out of the state of North Carolina Mm -hmm. to get anything. And I do think that as Joseph's lucky enough to have two amazing uh, roommates with him, multifamily housing has Mm -hmm. got to be the way to go. Wow. So he lives in a multifamily house with two roommates. Do they have support staff in yes, that home? 24 seven. Yeah. Typically, you know, t- two people in the house, 
um, at all times, driving them to the places where they need to go, whether it be to the center or to work or to grocery store, mm -hmm. um, doing activities with them, um, trying to expand their skills, their life skills as well. So how did this specific house that Joseph lives in, how did that come about? Did you hear about it from a certain organization? Is it a family owns it? What, what is the story behind the home? Um, it is an organization that's owned privately. Um, I luckily enough, and it, through the grace of God, um, was looking, we're having issues with Joseph, ended up in, in a, the hospital um, in a psychiatric area for about a week. And during that time, one of my students from my yoga studio came to me and heard that Joseph was in crisis. Mm -hmm. And she happened to mention that she knew somebody who knew somebody who had homes in Raleigh for people, young men with autism. Wow. Yep. So at the right moment in the right time. Yes, absolutely. If you felt like she didn't come to you at that time and you didn't have that experience, what do you feel like your life would be like right now? Honestly, you know, I, I don't know, but I do know that it, it would, um, probably Joseph wouldn't be living anywhere close to where we are, which would be, mm. um, you know, detachment for, I think having his independence is great, but he also, you know, we, we are able to see him, you know, once during the week and then he comes home every other weekend. So he's still got that sense of family. Whereas mm. if he were, you know, three States away, that would, that wouldn't be possible. Did you look at any other type of group homes or organizations in North Carolina, were there wait lists and things like that? The wait lists are unbelievable. Uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there are some, but like I said, not many, there's mm -hmm. some in Durham and there are some here, but once the people get there, they, they tend to stay there. So it's their life home. Yeah. It's their, yeah it's and really then home. you have a growing population of individuals with disabilities, especially in the triangle. Right. Correct. And then you can't keep up with the demand for for homes and for housing. That's right. That's right. So as an example, when Joseph was diagnosed with autism, it was one in every 1500, um, you know, children were being diagnosed and now it's one in every 54. Mm -hmm. And I know the spectrum is broad, but if you look at that in the case of, you know, these children are going to grow up and be adults and they have to go somewhere and not mm -hmm. every parent is able to take care of their children that become adults, even if they wanted to, they don't have the physical ability to do that or the financial ability to do mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. Not every family can even build, can build a home, right. let, let alone maybe even an apartment or a section in their home for their child to be safe. That's right. Um, and whatever limits they might have, it can affect and impact the whole family. Right. And you have to understand these people such as myself, we have to work, you know, to make a living. And now that these children have become adults and are out of school and they may or may not be able to get a job. And a lot of times they don't have the ability to do that the parents aren't able to leave to go to work. So it's a, mm. it's a conundrum. It's a catch 22. Yeah. You're at home. The child is at home right. and then you don't have the financial support that you could have if they were out of the home and you were able to work. Right. So do you feel like that's been one of the biggest obstacles to I overcome? I think, I think finding a place where, um, your child, which is now an adult is safe and you're safe, um, with your family. Um, mm. it's just, it's a, it's, um, it's more than difficult. And I, you know, that's why I do believe, you know, that where Joseph is now and the, his roommates is amazing. Um, they have two homes and that's probably the, the, the most that they're going to do. I think mm -hmm. that's their maximum, but I do think that we should be looking at building buildings, not like a house, 
but I'm talking about like multifamily. Think of, you know, college, college buildings that are building like downtown, you know, by NC State. Those type of buildings where, you know, you could make this work on multiple levels, mm. on all different, broaden the spectrum of, you know, having people living on each floor that are taking care of the people that are, you know, living there, yeah. having different vans and, you know, working with the government to try to, you know, subsidize so it, it makes sense. I was going to ask for the specific home that he's living in right now, where does the funding come from for him to live there? So it's part of his waiver, which, you know, we applied when Joseph was 10 and he just got approved um, last year. And how old is he right now? 22. So it was 12 years? Yes. Yes. Without that, um, you'd have to private pay and that's totally, Mm -hmm. you know, for 90% of the people, there's just absolutely no way you can do that. No. So that's why it's also important to know about the Medicaid waivers to get your name on the list right? because it's going to support the individual lifelong. Right. Right. So I, and you know, feeling like if anything did ever happen to us, that Joseph would, is in his forever home, Mm -hmm. that he's financially taken care of, if he's got his waiver, you know, he's got his SSI and all the things that go along with that. But I do think that people, you know, even myself, you know, five years ago, I was uneducated on any of this because to me it was, I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't worried about it because he was Mm going to live with us. So that wasn't, that was not applicable. Now it's, you know, and it doesn't necessarily become real until the individual is is at the certain age where it's, they're now an adult. They want to be independent. They want to be autonomous. So do you think it's important for people to start thinking about these things and planning for these things well in advance? I do. I do feel that if you have a child who is young, you know, diagnosed at whatever age, whether it be two years old or five or 12, you know, start doing something proactive now, because I do know people who have 11 and 12 year olds that are on not able to live with the family anymore due to certain crisis Mm. situations, um, where the family isn't safe, but there's nowhere to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you see with your expertise and your just experience really within the housing section, you said that the multifamily homes would probably be the way to go. Do you see families, agencies, who do you see as the driving force for building these multifamily homes? I mean, I think there's a multitude of like things that, that perfectly orchestrated, you know, symphony that's got to come together mm. as, um, as people in our community, architects, builders, the government, you know, so many different uh, ways that we can start to fund these things through the multiple agencies that we have in mm. North Carolina, but it's got to start, there's got to be money behind it. Right. And that's where, yeah. you know, who, how can we get this funded? Um, are there philanthropists that will be able to say, yes, you know, I, I'm willing to, you know, throw in X millions of dollars to be able to at least start the first one Mm -hmm. and see how it works. And, you know, I do think that if it's run the right way, just like the homes that Joseph's living in, um, it's not for profit, but it can run, it can keep itself going. Mm -hmm. It's going to be sustainable for long-term. Yes. So how do you feel like individuals in our community, can better support individuals with disabilities and their families. And I think in looking at when people talk to you, do they ask what are questions that are helpful versus harmful? What are things that people say or comment that are helpful versus harmful? And how do you feel like you and your family are best included um, as equitable members in, this, in, the, in the community, right? How, as, a, as an individual, how do you feel like, people who also maybe don't know people with disabilities, 
what would you want to say to people in the community to hopefully ensure that over the long term, Raleigh, North Carolina and, and, and America and the world can be a more inclusive place? I do think that they, you know, people with disabilities are people. They're not a, they're not a different breed. They're, we're all the same. We're all the same human being. Um, I think we're all put on this earth to just be walking each other through it and home. And I do think that um, just to, to be able to look at the people with disabilities with empathy, but also um, to help, to help lift them up, to help move them forward, not just to take care of them, but to look in their eyes and to look and see that they have these amazing abilities that they just don't even know about. Mm. Um, I do think, as my 11-year-old always says, you know, the best thing to tell people when it comes to someone with disabilities is not to stare. You know, that's her biggest thing. She'll mm. walk up to people and say, like, please don't stare at my brother. Mm. You know, and she'll give, like, he's got autism. Do you know about autism? Mm. I can tell you a little bit about it kind of thing. So I do think, but I do, I really do think um, that Raleigh in particular, and maybe there there are a lot of people here with special needs, um, are very warm and mm-hmm. giving and caring. And um, I do think that they're they're willing to help out. And so I do see a lot of that makes my, makes me happy to see. Yeah. yeah. And you feel like your son, Joseph is treated with respect. I do. Yes, I do. I mean, there's mean people everywhere Yeah, and people are mean to everyone. So I kind of try to think about it that way. I've, um, you know, I do, people are going to look sometimes when Joseph does funny things just because they're not sure at first, but I do think yeah. once they realize it, it's like, okay. Um, you know, Joseph, he does like to include himself in social situations when he's ready. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've seen a lot of young people, his age that really, you know, let him in and connect with him. And I, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because he wants to be included. He wants to be a part of the community, just like he wanted to be independent and live on his own. How have you seen a change within him since he has been able to access independence in regards to housing and living? I do think he's grown a lot. Um, you know, again, we have an 11 year old daughter. So sharing a house with, you know, 22, 11, you know, going in the car, the four of us, you know, I think that he got, was starting to get sick of just that life of not knowing, will I have a job? Am I going to be here for the rest of my life? So I think he's grown a lot. He's got roommates that, you know, they're all, they're all kind of alike, but different in so many ways too. Um, but to form like a brothership and Mm -hmm. the people that work at these homes, um, day in and day out overnight and during the day become family. And you can see that he's, you know, very loving and he cares about them. And it's nice to see. And when he went into this home situation, did you feel like the behaviors that you saw decreased? Definitely. definitely. I mean, his behaviors that we would see often were, were happening, you know, maybe once a week or more, um, is now happens like once every three or four months and wow. at a much lo- lower, lower level. It's very remarkable. And you can see, you, you can see the difference. And when he moved out, did you notice um, a change even within his mental health, his happiness, his joy. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, he smiles so much more than he ever did before. You know, he went to the house, he lost 30 pounds cause he wasn't standing at the pantry, you know, looking to see what was next. Um, he now does, I mean, he's gone all day long. They get mm-hmm. up early, they take showers, they have breakfast, they're gone and they're doing things all day long. So, you know, he's not bored. Um, mm-hmm. he's got a purpose. I think everyone needs a purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, letting them and allowing them to have the purpose that they want and then giving them the space where they can enact that purpose is so empowering Yes, definitely for them and then for the family too. Right. Right. And how do you feel like your relationship with Joseph has grown since he's been out of the home? I think um, his bond, our bond together um, has always been so close. 
Um, I do feel like that he, he can't say it to me. I mean, he's verbal, but he doesn't have the ability to say how he feels. But I do think like when I do see him that like, you know, extra five kisses that he gives me is like the pat on the back of like, you were listening. Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah, it really is. So what do you think has been the biggest change in your life and his life? Have you feel like you've had like a dream fulfilled? Has it been the the housing option that's really fulfilled Definitely. his dreams? Definitely. I mean, as a mother and, or a parent of a person with special needs, even though you may have things set up so that if something happened to you, they would be taken care of financially. Um, you don't know who's going to be there, you know, taking care of them. I know like for the first time in my life, they've ever, I know where he's going to be. I know he's going to be loved and taken care of like, you know, family, the, all the people that work there, the owners, um, we've even talked about the owner of these homes has a daughter who's, you know, 20 and typical. And she's, a. Uh, you know, we've talked about how Isabella and her daughter will be running this one day, you know, because mm-hmm. they're so passionate about it. So, you know, to kind of like, where will the baton be passed, but yeah. it'll be passed to the right people. And so you have that comfort and the, the, the fear is not right. associated. Fear, right. When you, yeah, exactly. Exactly. When you just don't know. So, it's nice to know that, you know, and I think for, for my 11 year old daughter, she's gone through autism since she was able to you know, be bitten, you know, and hit, you know, the things that happen, you know, she now, now that she's almost 12 years old, it's almost like, you know, PTSD of like lock the door and close the door and run to the other room that, you know, living with that her whole life to finally eased up to where, you know, she doesn't have to lock her door anymore mm. when she's in there just as a, just in case Joseph's upset kind of thing. Yeah. So I think for her, she's able to like take a deep breath and like start to be a kid, you know? Mm. So it's, it's changed everyone. It's given everyone more life and more hope, more joy yes. and yes. really been a life giving thing for you. Right. Wow. Absolutely. That's really incredible. So we always like to end our podcast with two fun questions. Okay. The first is what's one thing that has brought you joy within the last week? Oh, so many things. I can't even... Well, I will tell you one story of something that brought me joy in a different way. Um, I think as with people who have special needs children or people in their lives, we always think like, I'm going to do this and they're going to be so happy when I do this because we know exactly what they want. Just like staying and living with us forever. Yeah. We took Joseph to for Christmas for the first time in nine years. He's been on a plane and we went to Florida to be with my family and we stayed at a hotel and he had all the food and he got the beach and we went here and we did all these things. And I asked him yesterday, he was looking at uh, videos on my phone and I said, that was so much fun. Like we totally have to do that again. Um, we'll, maybe we'll go sometime in the summer, go to a beach somewhere. We'll go on an airplane again. Do you want to do that? And he looked at me and said, no. And I realized like the joy in me was like, he's telling me he had to think about it. It was like a 10 second pause of, you know, all these things that I thought would be like so cool for him and the joy of knowing that he could tell me the truth. It's like, no. And the joy is that he likes where he's living, you know? Wow. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. That is. Yeah. So, and that he's, that tells you that he is content and happy and he's in a place where he feels fulfilled. Yeah, for sure. That's incredible. And how do you feel like you can hold out hope to listeners today, whether they have an adult with a disability or they have a child who's younger and they're thinking about the future? What is something that you can say to them that will hopefully bolster and give them hope? Sure. I would say, you know, get all of the, get, find all of the resources that you can. And if you don't know what they are, ask everybody that's in the situation, Mm. you know, all of the people that do this for a living, don't be afraid to ask for things. 
um, because that's the only way you'll get it. I, there are so many things I had no idea were even out there up until two years ago when mm-hmm. he was in a crisis. Wow. So, um, just ask, take, you know, and, and talk to people about funding for, you know, charity organizations, things that we can do because all of these people will grow up. All of them are going to grow up for sure. That's a guarantee. And when they do, they have to go somewhere. And if it's one in every 55 people now, like just with autism, that's not including other special needs in 10 years. What is that going to look like? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Claudine. We really appreciate it. You are such a light and such a person who's an advocate and we really love having your voice on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time out of your day to share a moment with our conversations. If you're enjoying this podcast or it's making a difference in your life, please like, share, and review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, or a family member who might need to hear this today. Wherever you may find yourself at the end of this podcast, I hope that you'll remember that dreams can be fulfilled, that your dreams and the dreams of those around you are important. Continue to champion one another along, cheer for one another, advocate for one another, and ensure a world where all people are seen as competent, capable, and valued members of the community. Remember, today, hold out hope to all those around you, wherever you may be. If you're finding this podcast to be supportive, engaging, and informative, please consider supporting us. Head to patreon.com forward slash able transition. Our music is from Film Music, Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod, licensed by creativecommons.org.